Hello and welcome to the Tightwad Teacher Podcast, brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. And now, here are your hosts, John Mikulski and Brian Bruger. Hello everyone, welcome to the Tightwad Teacher, episode 18, Amazing Skype Lessons for November 8th, 2011. I am John Mikulski, and joining me for the second time now is Brian Bruger. Brian, you hung on for another episode. I love it. I, I came back. I, I don't know if that proves that I'm loyal or foolish, hey, but in both little cases, a little bit of both. I'm back. <laughs> well, I'm, we're, we're glad to have you back. And actually, this was kind of a, a crazy week because yesterday was Halloween. I know in my in my family, because I have three little ones, and I know you have little ones as well, Halloween is not a one-day affair. Halloween is like the entire week leading up. And uh, in my family, we don't get them dressed once. We get them dressed like eight times because once you go to the mall and do the trick-or-treating at the mall, and then you take them to each of the grandparents' houses and to the aunts and uncles. And uh, yeah. so it's just this full week affair, and I'm I'm really glad now that, that that's over. It's over. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say I'm glad it's over also because now I have a a decent supply of candy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just need to wait for them to leave the room so I can acquire the ones that I need and um and, and move. So uh so yeah, Halloween was pretty good. Um it poured all day here. It was nonstop and you know, went home from work and it was raining still and, and it stopped about ten minutes before time to actually do the candy acquisition, if you will. But uh I dressed up. Um, it took a little while to figure out what my costume would be and everything, but I essentially I went as a father. Yes, um, I, I had that same costume on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, if you were, if yours looked like mine, your father had you know a slight pot belly and you know. And as the day went on, I um, or the the event went on, I became a father holding little orange pumpkins. Mm-hmm. And then I became a father holding little orange pumpkins with uh, swords and um, pirate, uh, you know, paraphernalia. And then I ended the night with a father with pumpkins, pirate paraphernalia, and uh, Mickey Mouse ears yeah. from the from the little type. So yeah. I, it's a combined costume, if you will. Oh yeah. Well, I got to mention. Speaking of costumes, um. I don't remember if it was Engadget or Matchable, but one of those websites had a, a great, great uh, costume someone made using two iPads. And and you have the resources; you could have done this because you have all the iPads. In <laughs> Absolutely, room. I saw this. Did you, it is fantastic. It basically, uh, someone cut a hole in the front and the back of a of a T-shirt and made it look kind of like a like a bloody mess. And they taped iPads on either side, and then they FaceTimed with themselves, so you could see through their bodies. And I thought. That is just awesome. And I, I even said to my wife, you know, I, I could get one more iPad. I could do this. It'd be a great Halloween costume. And she said, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I said, wow, that's a great idea. And then I thought to myself and went, that's, you know, that's a thousand dollars. That iPad right there in that costume. I know. Uh, that, that'd make me a little nervous. Well, I, and I passed the comment to my wife and said, finally, I have an excuse for, for two iPads. And she said, yep, and you can play words with friends with yourself too. I thought, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, something happened in your week here, and, and I'd like to know a little bit of details. I, I actually saw some pictures that you had posted online and, and whatnot. But um, I understand that you had some special guests in your classroom this week. <laughs> I did, as if um, as if middle school isn't crazy enough. I brought two of my three kids in to my classroom yesterday, um, dressed up. So we had a special guest, pirate and kitty cat. 
who were ages like two and a half and, and nine months respectively running around my room, you know, loaded up with eighth graders. So it was a little crazy. And, and fortunately, the, the school I'm in, the, the principal is, is very, very accepting of, of little ones running around. She sees it as, as having a daycare, you know, like she likes to have the kids around and it makes her feel young. So um, we're encouraged to, to do that kind of thing. But it's kind of cool. It's it's neat to see what your students are doing and how they interact with the little kids too, because you see a whole new side of them. You know, some of those, especially the boys who are the the rough and tumble, you know, troublemaker boys. And as soon as like a two year old comes in, they just melt. You know, they're down on one knee, talking baby talk to them. It's it, it's pretty cool to see. But needless to say, it was we didn't get a whole lot done in class yesterday, and uh, <laughs> and I was just extra tired. You know, I my my school building is is two stories. And uh, I'm on the second floor, so of course during my free periods, I take the kids around to, to show off to other teachers and my friends in the building. And uh, sure. it's just it's way too hard with the two of them to to wait. The one I was carrying because she's nine months old, and my son is uh is like two and a half, so he can do stairs, but moves a little bit slower than 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 I I like <laughs> to. So I kept I'd pick them both up and carry them up and down the stairs. And today I got up this morning and I thought, man, I I feel like I did like the the stair climber at at the gym, and I realized. <laughs> That's basically what I did. I had 50 pounds of kid on me, and I was carrying him up and down stairs all all day. So, I'm I'm feeling the effects both of eating too much candy last night and also of uh, bringing my kids into school with me. Well, well, perhaps you know. Usually they say it's best to you know to eat and then exercise, but you just you just reverse that, and then you know everything's good. Yeah, it, it didn't exercise make, and then candy. Yeah, it didn't make me feel so bad about all the all the stuff I stole of their pumpkins after they went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, tell me, uh, what do we have in store for uh, for the for the podcast today? Well, I uh, I put the word amazing in the title and. Sometimes that's overused, I guess, but there truly is some amazing, amazing Skype lessons that we're in store for today. Um, our guest is Paula Noggle, and she's a fourth grade teacher uh, in Louisiana. And I, I found her actually on, on Twitter just doing some really, really fascinating things with Skype, and I wanted her to, to share that with us. Yes, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to, to being challenged um, by some of uh, her ideas. We kind of got a little taste of it um, before the show, so... I'm I'm pretty excited to uh, to hear from our guest here. All right. Well, without further ado, then uh, let's bring on Paula. Okay. So let's bring on our guest for today. Uh, it is fourth grade teacher Paula Noggle at Bizonet Plaza School at the Jefferson Parish Public School System in Louisiana. Uh, Paula, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for for joining us. Uh, I'm really excited to hear from you today. Um, just because your your name came up several times uh, on Twitter, I kept seeing the name resurface and your blog resurface with all the the really cool things that you're doing with Skype in your classroom and and talking with you and and looking over some of the the information you gave us. It seems like that's just the tip of the iceberg. You do so many other cool things and have so many other things available to you. So, really excited to hear about that. Well, John, I love sharing. That's also one of my passions. Um, using web tools uh, became a passion of mine around 2004, and I've been learning and innovating ever since then. I'm really impressed, and, and by no means is this a, a slight at you. Don't don't read between the lines here, but I'm really impressed that you've been teaching for so long, and and you've you, you do so many things that I think sometimes traditionally people uh, would see. A veteran teacher not doing, and, and that's so impressive. You've been teaching for 36 years now, is that right? Yes, this is year number 36 for me. I am um, what is referred to as a retired return-to-work teacher. Uh, we have that option 
in um, the parish that I work in. I actually uh, went through what's called retirement and then a deferred retirement option plan um, at year 30. And uh, the reason I didn't walk away from the classroom is because I was having too much fun. Oh, I, I know the feeling. Well, some days more than others, right? Definitely. <laughs> well, and it, it really is great to see, you know, teachers who you, sometimes you think of those teachers who are near retirement or at that stage of, of their career and they just tap out. That turns into the, the push play curriculum and, and the worksheets with crossword puzzles and that kind of thing. So it's great to hear not only that you weren't doing that, but you actually came back to keep learning and, and doing new things as a teacher. Exactly. When I felt, when I really discovered how to, I mean, I'd been trying to integrate technology a little bit in the very late 90s, um, but we didn't have access to a lot of the think tools that we have now. So I was always looked upon in my building as one of the people, oh, give it to Paula, she'll try anything. <laughs> <laughs> so when, you know, a new piece of tech came along, I, I was fortunate enough to um, be given it to, you know, try it out and see how it worked and some things I said yes to and some things I said no to and, um, you know, have just gone along from there. And I would love to thank, just put a little plug in for my school principal and my school media specialist because they have nurtured my love of integrating technology by allowing me to attend ISTE and different conferences around the country to learn more and grow. And then, of course, I come back and I re-deliver to um, our staff. So I am a teacher trainer now in our building also to try and help other teachers get on board with the best use of, of technology in their classrooms. That's pretty awesome. I, I've encountered a few teachers like yourself in my day, and the running joke that I always use is that um, you, know, you could bring a 500-pound gorilla to the front door and somehow this teacher would be like, um, I, I think I can use that in the class. I'm not sure how, but I'll come up with something. <laughs> yeah, I can work with that. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> um, yes, tell us a little bit, um, just kind of so we get a, a sense of where you're coming from, a little bit about, you know, your school, your class in terms of uh, demographics and class size. Okay. And, you know, nope. technology availability and that kind of stuff so we know where you're coming from. All right, great. I teach in a suburban school in New Orleans, Louisiana. We're in a little um, suburban area called Metairie. It is a public school system. Um, one of the unique things about our school system is that we service children from 88 different countries, so we have mm -hmm. quite a big ESL population. Uh, I have been in this particular building for, uh, this will be 26 years now, and I have watched our demographics change quite a bit, especially after Hurricane Katrina in 2005. Our uh, demographic population, um, our numbers fell a little bit, of course, during the year of the hurricane and directly after. But we're back up now to approximately where we were before. We have about 560 students for um, pre-K through fifth grade. And we are uh, currently running at about 85% free and reduced lunch. Last year, we received a state recognition as being a high-poverty, high-achievement school because we have been meeting our yearly um, annual growth target. Um, we take what's known as LEAP and I-LEAP, which is our high-stakes testing. Fourth grade is a pass-fail year for the high-stakes LEAP test. They have to pass both uh, the English language arts portion of the test 
and the math portion of the test in order to even be considered for promotion to fifth grade. So there is quite a lot of pressure on us to make sure that we meet our grade level expectations and that we're doing everything that we can do to help our kids get basic and above on these uh, tests. One of the things that I was fortunate enough to do, um, I was given a, a technology classroom in 2004 uh, with six desktops, um, a polyvision walk and talk interactive whiteboard, and a few other things. And I used that for quite a few years. And then in 2009, our district decided, oh, it would be really neat to run a competitive grant writing process where the people who wanted to update their technology would actually apply by writing a grant. So there were um, there was this process that went on at the end of 2009 where you applied to the district, and I was one of four people who got the top award, which was a $15,000 uh, model technology classroom, which included the newest Promethean board with all the active votes, the active slate, uh, 15 wireless netbooks, flip cameras, digital cameras, headsets, webcams, all sorts of things so that I could continue to do what I had been doing, which was to use Skype and um, Glogster and Edmodo and different programs that I use with my children, kidblog.org, and use all of these things. And they knew because of my excitement and my innovative teaching methods that I would put all of these um, wonderful tech tools to good use. In other words, instead of just giving them to teachers, and sometimes they kind of sit in the back of the room and aren't used real well, by this competitive grant process, the materials went into the hands of the teachers who would use them and kind of uh, lead the way for other students. So they've been, do uh, other teachers, I'm sorry. So they've been doing this now. Um, they did it in 2010, and, and they will do it again this year, and they keep awarding different grants. You know, it's different levels of grants. 15000 is kind of the top end, and it might be, you know, a couple hundred dollars worth of some tech tools. But it seems to be a very good way for our um, school district to get technology to the, into the hands of people who would use it. Let me ask you a question. How many fourth grade teachers are in your building? Uh, there are three full-time fourth grade teachers. There are there is one teacher who is our title one. She's like half title one, half fourth grade. So she helps reduce the classes in the morning for um, English and reading, and then she does professional development in the afternoon. So the best way to answer that is we have like three and a half fourth grade teachers. Oh, well, the reason <laughs> the reason why I ask, I, I'm just wondering, with you also teaching fourth grade, and it sounds like your classroom is is pretty well equipped with all this technology. Is there concerns with with equity? If there's a, another seven, fourth grade teacher who doesn't want these things, do you have parents or kids who feel like they're they're being put out because you have stuff and they don't, or? As, or is the stuff that you're doing, has that kind of like swept the fourth grade and, and kind of inspired them to take part of these grants too? My principal took it to the next step. We had 12 Promethean boards coming into the building, and she decided to kind of follow the lead that the uh, district had started. So she asked the teachers in the building who did not have a Promethean board to write her a mini grant, and it wasn't it wasn't very hard to do. I mean, it, would, it took maybe a couple of hours, and all of the other fourth grade teachers did write the grant. 
each one of our uh, fourth grade classrooms has a Promethean board. And that's that was in 2008. I'm sorry, 2009. Since then, most of our build, most of our um, classrooms in our building, they are equipped with either a Promethean board or a ceiling-mounted uh, projector and a document camera and screen. So all the teachers in my building have some kind of projection system. I, that's something that we've dealt with here a lot because at, at our school, in terms of uh, some, we have purchased smart boards, and some classrooms have a smart board with a document camera and a projector, and then other classrooms have absolutely nothing and so we're, we've been efforting to try to get that equal with everybody, at least with a projector and document camera in every classroom. Well, that um, was her way, because, that was her way of making it equitable. It was at least to have sure. some kind of a projection system in every room. There are quite a few teachers who have both. Uh, they both, they have both uh, a Promethean board and a document camera. But you're going to go into every one of our classrooms and they're going to have some way that they can at least project things up on the wall for the kids to see. It might not sure. be interactive, but, you know, we're getting there. The other thing we have is we have four, I believe they're referred to as cows, computers on mm-hmm. wheels, but they're not just a computer. They're uh, computer carts. They each have 15 wireless um, laptops in them. And unfortunately, the fourth and fifth graders kind of have the better use of them because of the the kids' age and the fact that they've been in a computer lab and they've done a little bit of computer work, you know, on the desktops in the classroom. So the principal, again, felt that it was a little bit more fair for the older children to have more access to the laptops. So they're pretty well shared among the fourth and fifth grades. I have my own set in my, my classroom because of the grant I wrote, so I don't have to share mine. (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing to hear all this stuff because now I'm I'm from Buffalo, so I'm I'm up north, and still even now years later after Katrina, I still kind of in my head picture that area as very meager in its resources and and everything that especially schools have available to them. So it's great to hear that first of all that's wrong. But let me ask you, like, was the campus your school campus affected by the hurricane? And then in terms of rebuilding, like, how, I'm just thinking all this technology in a building. Um, there's a lot behind the scenes, you know, the networking and that kind of thing mm-hmm. to get the, the building to be able to support this kind of stuff. How did your, your school approach that? Okay, well, I don't know if you can picture the city of New Orleans, but we're kind of divided by the Mississippi River and, of course, this levee that failed. If you were on the eastern side of the levee, you were heavily impacted when the levees failed and the streets flooded and the buildings. Fortunately, where I live and teach is on the western side of the city, so we had water damage from um, rain being um, washed in under some of the classroom doors, but none of our, not not my building, there were a few buildings in my district that actually did sustain water damage uh, because our parish reaches all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. We had one high school that was just, I mean, they basically had to start from scratch. But my particular building, other than a little bit of water damage, was um, not heavily impacted. Our, our biggest impact was the fact that families had fled the area. So that year and the following year, our numbers were just kind of like all over the place because people hadn't quite returned to the area yet. Uh, one of the bright notes of having gone through a major catastrophe 
is that people step up to the plate to offer help. And we were fortunate. I cannot give you the exact dollar amount because I'm not privy to that information. But we received a huge grant from Cisco. And basically, Cisco did a three-year rewiring plan of all of our campuses so that now every one of our schools in Jefferson Parish public school system has wireless access. And that was in large part due to Cisco Corporation coming in and rebuilding our infrastructure for us. One of the things that we've done here on a very small scale, and I'm really intrigued to see how you've done it better, is we have, in a couple occasions and in a couple classes, utilized Skype in our classroom. Mm-hmm. And in, in reading and, and seeing some of um, your information in your web, website and things like that, I'm really intrigued to see how you've just topped us in terms of Skype in the classroom. Okay. So, uh, for starters, uh, when did you start? And, and tell us a little bit about that. All right. Well, my very first attempt at Skype was in 2000. Um, I believe it was 2008. Yes. Um, I was um, participating in a project put on by Jen Wagner out of California. She runs a a site called Projects by Jen. And she was Mm -hmm. doing an Abraham Lincoln 200th birthday celebration. And she had the brainstorm that she wanted us to get on Skype and try to do the Gettysburg Address as this huge Skype call. Well, it didn't quite work. (laughs) I ended up up Skyping from my classroom to the classroom next door because that was the only thing I could get to work because I really didn't understand Skype at that time. I had had one little training session on it the summer before I was trying to use it, and I had never really practice with it. I hadn't done any, you know, leg work. It was like, oh, yeah, Skype. I know what that is. I'll try it. Well, you know, that's when you go, whoops, uh, maybe I should have planned this out a little better. So anyhow, I moved on from there, and I decided that this was a powerful tool. I had been using it um, with some teachers in other areas of the country to do, you know, just to chit-chat with and, and have some talks with how we could um, better use the tool. Uh, in our classroom, and all of us were very nervous about, oh, you know, you're going to get up in front of the kids and you're going to turn this thing on and it's just not going to work properly. And we decided, you know what, we just have to go for it. So I started out the following, um, actually, the thing that didn't work with uh, Jen Wagner's project was in early, I guess it was early spring of 2009. Well, by the end of the semester, at the end of school in 2009, I had actually um, Skyped a couple of times with another teacher in North Carolina. We actually were successful with turning the cameras on and getting it going. We had a few bandwidth issues where it would freeze up and we'd lose sound or we'd have to reconnect the call. And, you know, we just played and we, you know, we would, we would tell the kids, look, we're going to try this. We're going to see if it works. And, you know, this is what we're going to do, but maybe, it, you know, we'll fall on our face, but we're going to try. So after that year, I realized with um, having gotten, gotten new wiring, unfortunately, my building was one of the last ones to have our infrastructure updated. And when they updated it, it was like, wow, 
Skype really works a lot better now. I guess they, you know, they increased our bandwidth um, usage and stuff. So I found a girl named um, Jan Wells, who's a fourth grade teacher in a little town in Kansas. And we found each other on Jen Wagner's uh, Ning over the summer. And we said, you know, we talked back and forth on the Ning. And then we exchanged email addresses. And we said, you know, we really want our fourth graders to collaborate. So we worked all summer, you know, a couple weeks before school started. And we said, okay, this is what we're going to try. So we jumped in on one of Jen Wagner's projects called Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. I'll read one side of the page to your class. Your class will read the next page to us, et cetera, et cetera. We'll go back and forth like that. So we did a choral reading of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs to each other's class. And it worked perfectly. It was so nice. Now, um, it, it is on my blog. is one of my blog posts. And I had, I put a flip cam in one of my kids' hands so that we could have documentation of it. So the video that came out was a little bit jumpy because I hadn't really had this child practice much because it was the beginning of the school year as far as how to be a good videographer. But he did a great job. He got it down. He got the most important parts. And then we went from that. We said, oh, that was so much fun. What are we going to do next? So then we said, okay, I know we all do the Oreo project. And I don't know if you know anything about that, but classes all over the world stack Oreo cookies, collect their data, find their class um, range, mode, and mean, and then put it on Jen Wagner's wiki or Google site or whatever she happens to run that year so that there is this data being collected from all over the world. And what's interesting is that the average stack of Oreo cookies per grade level, you know, tends to go up as the kids get older, but it's funny how <laughs> your class average ends up being the class average of all these other schools all over the world. You know, it's just one of those things that happens. So it's a very unique experience. So um, Jan Wells and I said, well, let's do the stacking. You know, let's compete against each other on Skype. So we set up our cameras, and we had, you know, one of my kids stack against one of her kids, and we kept that going on for a while. So that was fun. Well, then we both teach social studies. So we said, okay, well, how can we get this into a social studies class? So we were both studying the Northeast at the time, and I remembered learning um, the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere as an eighth grader. Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere. Did you ever have to memorize that? Oh, yes, and I loved every minute of it. <laughs> yeah, it was a wonderful experience, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, don't, don't ask me to do it right now, though. <laughs> we didn't have our children memorize it again. We did it as kind of a reader's theater or choral reading where they had practiced it and practiced it, and then we did it via Skype where I did one, my students did one stanza and Jan's class did another stanza and we did went back and forth well we jumped from that we decided to go ahead and make a voice thread i don't know if you're familiar with that mm -hmm. product i'm sure you've heard of it but with voice uh -huh. threads you can upload artwork so we had our kids draw an, a piece of art to go with each stanza of the poem so when that picture is playing on the voice thread then you can record around it and our kids repeated their um recital of the poem so as you go through the voice thread um, the pictures change as the stanzas change and you can hear our kids voices reciting the poem 
So that took us into an, a different, you know, got us using a different web tool, which we're always excited to do. Um, okay. I'm I'm, sorry. I want to play devil's advocate just mm-hmm. for a moment here and say, how do you think, if at all, Skype has changed the impact of these types of activities on the students. Cause I mean, it's safe to say that some of these things we could do by interacting with the class next door mm-hmm. or in, you know, like the case of the Oreos, you know, we could post and see the comparative results. Mm-hmm. But how is Skype actually impacting the students learning or maybe their ownership of the learning or, or anything like that? Okay. One of the, one of the most difficult things for nine and 10 year olds to understand is beyond their immediate environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to teach the United St- regions of the United States. And when they come into my fourth grade at the beginning of the year, you'll say, gee, has anybody ever traveled to another country? And they raise mm-hmm. their hands and you start asking and they go, yeah, I've been to Florida or I've been to Mississippi. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they have a little bit of trouble with geographic locations. And one of the most powerful things with Skype is when you do, if you do set up class jobs for them and mm-hmm. somebody has to be in, in responsible to map the location of where the Skype call is coming from and the mm-hmm. geography that is learned, they know within a couple of weeks of doing Skype calls, they are getting such a better handle on the geography of the United States. They understand the difference a lot better between a town and a city in a suburban area, and, oh, that's a different state. And then we, we Skype to Canada, and they're like, oh, wow, that's a different country. And it's finally making sense to them. You know, what they're seeing on a map in their social studies book is coming alive for them by turning on the Skype camera, having whomever you're Skyping with, maybe take their webcam over and pointing it out the classroom window in showing us, like my buddy, my Skype buddy, um, Jan Wells, is in a rural area in Kansas. So when they look outside their classroom window, they can see cows in the field. You know, we don't see that where we live. Also, because I, I told you we service a lot of different nationalities, I look like a gumbo when my kids' faces are on, on the <laughs> Skype camera. And her class is, you know, kind of Middle Western, you know, Lily White kids. So they have fun learning about where some of my students were born, where they've come from, you know, how they learned English, things like that. So yeah, is there a lot of learning going on? You betcha there is. That couldn't happen without necessarily turning on and doing Skype. Well, and you bring up a good point too, because Skype really with any technology, and you've talked about a bunch at Moto and uh, voice threads and, and all those, they're really tools, and it's how you use them that, that makes them so valuable. And, and you're absolutely right. These activities you're doing, it's more than just I'm using Skype in the classroom. It's I'm using Skype to do this and to show geography and understand culture and understand demographics and all that stuff. Um, and that's something I think you're right. When teachers what first is- look at Skype, they they kind of miss that part. They see it as I'm using Skype to connect, and, and there's more to it than just that physical connection between two callers. All right, let me tell you about our math graph, one that we did last year. Um, you know, I teach math, and so I said, okay, we're doing a graphing unit. So Jan and I, we get on Skype on the weekend, and we said, okay, what can we do for our next project? 
And again, it's not just to use Skype. It is to connect our classrooms in a collaborative way where they're going to learn something from each other. So I said, well, we're doing graphing and we need to collect data and make graphs, both line graphs and bar graphs. And wouldn't it be fun if we'd set up some Google Docs? We send them off to you. Your kids, you know, take our Google Docs surveys, send them back to us. We graph them. And then, you know, a week or two from now, we will do a Skype call comparing our graphs. So her kids made up uh, questionnaires. My kids made up questionnaires. We exchanged them back and forth, collected the data, made the graphs. Well, we didn't know, either one of us didn't know until the day of the Skype call, that we had had basically the same conversation because one of the, the children in her class asked, who's your favorite country singer? And what we did was we we asked that each question have like four choices, four to five choices, and then always the one other, just in case, you know. So this one question that was asked by one of her guys was, who's your favorite country western singer? And Taylor Swift was one person listed. And I honestly don't remember the other artists, but the majority of my students picked other. So when we did the Skype call, they wanted to know why the other artists weren't picked. On our end, one of my students had done fast food restaurants. What's your favorite fast food restaurant? And one of the ones that was listed is a local New Orleans establishment. It is not in Kansas. So, of course, that didn't get chosen as one of the choices. So we talked about that. Why didn't you pick country western singers? Well, we don't listen to country western music very much. (laughs) And we didn't pick Raising Canes because we don't have Raising Canes up here in Kansas and things like that. So it's really... You know, I mean, if you ask the fourth graders what's their favorite food, they're going to say pizza. And we agree on that. So they learn that even though we're different, we are still very similar. And I think that is so positive when you see them talking to each other and they go, oh, yeah, I like so-and-so, too. You know, we, we didn't have a whole lot to talk about with the country western stars, but we had other things we found in common. I got to ask you about another project that actually this is what won me over and what ultimately made me want to contact you to, to get you on the show. And Brian, I don't know if you know the, the backstory to this, but if you look right now at our, our Skype call, you'll see that Paula's location is listed as, can you figure out where I am? <laughs> and, and, and there's a reason for that. Um, so Paula, could you share with us a little bit um, about your mystery Skype call activity that you do with okay. this? As well? This was, um, I, I'm not quite sure who started it. I learned about it from Mr. Sean Avery, who last year was a fourth grade teacher, and this year has moved up to sixth grade. And a few of my buddies on Twitter, we do educational chats during the week. Um, The teachers who teach fourth grade have a chat on Monday nights at 7. If I try to say them all, I'll mess them up. But there's a fifth grade chat, a sixth grade chat, then there's an elementary chat on Saturday. So we're always comparing notes and talking about projects. So at the end of last year, I kept seeing this mystery Skype call, and I was like, well, well wait, I do Skype? How did I miss this? So it was too late last year for me to get involved, but I said, man, I'm putting that on my schedule for this year. And Sean Avery and, um, oh, Lord, I just forgot her name. Oh, Jeannie McQueen, who uh, is one of the moderators for Fourth Grade Chat, put it on a wiki and said, if you'd like to do a mystery Skype call, sign up here. Well, then there's a lady named Sylvia Talasino who I have learned 
a tremendous amount from about Skyping with your students. She calls them learning calls instead of Skype calls. She is the one who I learned about Skype jobs from. She um, is better known for her blog, Languages. I don't know if you've ever been Oh, yeah, I have seen that, yep. She she wrote a fantastic blog post about it, and I said, oh, I can do that. I know how to do that. Well, the, I signed up, you know, and a couple of teachers contacted me. Let's do a mystery Skype call. So my first one this year was with a teacher in California, and about half an hour before the call, she, she sent me an IM on Skype and said, you need to go in and change your profile because it says where you're located. And yeah. I went, oh, yeah, that's right. I said, that wouldn't be a lot of fun, would it? <laughs> as soon as, as soon as the Skype call rang in, they'd see New Orleans, Louisiana. So I had to go in and change my profile. But what it is, we, there are a couple different ways to play the game, but we've decided to do a 20 questions version. And what you do is you get the call, you decide who's calling whom. You know, the teachers know, but the kids don't. So the call comes in, and it's a mystery Skype call. You've got to figure out. Where in the country the class is located. So the kids have their social studies books open. We have our netbooks on Google Maps. We're just using every kind of resource we can think of. And the questions start out with something similar to, would your state be located west of the Mississippi River? And if they get a yes, well, then they've just, you know, they've just eliminated all the eastern states. Plus, if you get a yes, you get to ask another question. So they're always hoping to get a yes. Well, of course, when we did California, our question was, are you located east of the Mississippi River? And the answer was no. So then it was their turn, and they, we went back and forth. And it takes somewhere between, believe it or not, these kids get so good at it, within five to ten questions, they have pretty well pegged the state that you are from. And it is so exciting to see them. Are you from Louisiana? And when our, your kids go, and our kids are just as excited that they get it. It's not like, yeah, oh, yeah, you got it. It's like, yeah, you got it. <laughs> so they're all cheering and screaming, and it is so much fun to do. And, again, it's a great geography lesson. Well, and that's so cool. I just think about the first time that I did Skype. Actually, it was just last year. I got a hold of a, a school in Vermont and ended up Skyping the, the two classes together. And I really wasn't very well planned on it in the sense that I knew what to expect. So I got my camera up and the other teacher got her video camera up and then mm-hmm. the kids just kind of stared at each other. Like they weren't sure what, what to do after that. So, so that's what I thought the, the mystery Skype call was so neat because it wasn't just passive watching. You had uh, other things going on in the room that correlated with what was going on on, on the screen. And that's what I thought was just so neat about it. And, and for me, again, I'm at middle school level. I'm right now thinking, how do I, can I get this, can I work this so this would be uh, age appropriate for, for middle schoolers as well? Do like a, not just a country, but do like the entire, uh, you know. Well, let me, let me tell you about this because you said that you've used Edmodo. Yes, I one have. Of, one of my favorite ones last year, one of my favorite Skype calls last year was I have a, a close personal friend who comes to my room every year and talks to my students about the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. Pretty heavy stuff for fourth grade, but, sure. we, you know, we, we make it for or fourth grade level. And he's very fun, and the kids love him. And I said to my friend Jan in Kansas, hey, he's coming in on such and such a date. I know you study this, too, in your fourth grade curriculum. Why don't we Skype my guest speaker into your classroom? And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, now we've got, 
you know, close to <laughs> 60 kids sitting around listening to one gentleman talk. And I'm thinking, hmm, what else could we do to make it a little bit more interactive? So what we did was we had questioners. We had um, researchers. We had, uh, I think I had five to six in my homeroom, and she had the same number on our netbooks on Edmodo. We, we belong to a collaborative um, Skype group, and our kids were on Edmodo back-channeling what was going on as far as what the guest speaker was talking about, who was asking the question, what the answer was. One kid even went out and um, found a picture that um, my guest speaker had brought in. They actually found it online and posted it in the Edmodo group. I mean, so it's, you can make it... You know, you can make it as interactive as, as your mind will let you go with instead of just having kids. Now, there have been times when I've just had my kids sit and listen. I mean, there have been times when we've been read to by high school students in our district. And that's fine, too, because, you know, you do have listening skills that you need to work on as well. But I find that they get really excited when they get to be interactive with what's going on with the Skype call. Yeah, and it's just another example of taking the classroom walls down, tearing down those walls and opening up education to what goes on beyond just that classroom. And one of the other things that I've done to help with culture, um, last year we did a big project on Mardi Gras um, because we live in the New Orleans area. You know, that's a big thing for us. I mean, we actually get three days off from school for Mardi Gras. Oh, geez. So, yeah. <laughs> So the, kind the of kids, like our mini spring break. The kids aren't partying, though, are they? Uh, in their style, <laughs> yes, sir, they are. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> they're doing they're doing family picnics and stuff out on the parade route. Yes. Um, but anyhow, what we did was we put together Glogsters, which um, you know, one of the neat things about Skype is that it has a, sh- um, a screen sharing capability. Mm-hmm. So whatever you have on your computer, you can actually bring up and share with the, the group that you're skyping with. So they put together Glogsters about different aspects of Mardi Gras, and we Skyped into, over a two-week period, I think we Skyped into somewhere about 14 different classrooms and taught them about Mardi Gras. And at the end of it, we would actually put on Mardi Gras music and we would widen out the, the webcam so that they could see us doing what's called a second-line dance, mm-hmm. which is where you have the handkerchief in your hand and you're kind of swaying back and forth to the Mardi Gras Mambo. Well, the first four classes that I did it with actually got a care package from us. We sent them a king cake. Um, if you're not familiar with a king cake, it's one of the traditional desserts served at, at Mardi Gras time. And they embed a little tiny plastic baby doll in the king cake. And the person who gets the slice with the plastic baby doll in it is supposed to bring the next king cake. And it's all tradition, and Mm -hmm. it's been going on for hundreds of years. So we sent them a king cake. We sent them some Mardi Gras beads. We sent them some doubloons. And we timed it so that the package got there the day before the Skype call. But we said, don't open it till after we've Skyped with you. So that we would tell them about the king cake and the tradition. We'd tell them about the beads and the colors. We'd tell them about the doubloons and how they started. And then the kids got to open the care package and partake in it as we were doing our second line dance. And they really, really enjoyed that. 
and I would have loved to have been able to do it with everyone, but it ended up getting to be very expensive. One of the girls that I sent the care package to, sorry, that's my phone. No, that's okay. <laughs> one of the girls I sent my care package to was a first grade teacher in uh, Canada, and I was doing those boxes, you know, you put as much in as you can and you ship it for one price. So I had been using those and it had been, okay, it was like, you know, 11 bucks. Well, to send hers to Canada, I didn't think about the difference in postage. <laughs> and it ended up costing me $27 to ship out her box. So oh, that's no. I said, okay, I can't keep doing boxes because I don't have enough money. But it was fun while it lasted. That's awesome. Well, and give, give us one more example. Um, again, going back to that idea of the classroom walls being torn down, you had a celebrity join you not too long ago. Is that right? Yes, I did. Again, thanks to Twitter. I'm very active on Twitter. Someone tweeted out, uh, Leslie Nielsen, who's known as the Innovative Educator, tweeted out, oh, uh, if you would like a celebrity to Skype into your classroom during the month of October, um, they will talk to your kids about um, anti-bullying. So um, we... I got right on it, and I signed up for it, and I said, oh, you know, this is one of those things. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. Well, sure enough, I was contacted within a couple of days by a gentleman named Jeff Rivera who is in charge of putting this together, and he said, yeah, the first group they had, it didn't work out. The timing didn't work, and I went, oh, man, I can't do it that day. So I thought, oh, I'm getting knocked to the bottom of the list, and I'll never get another shot at this. Well, about two days later, I got another email from him, and he said, oh, well, we have Joey King. And I went, Joey King, Joey King, who's Joey King? And he goes, she's the star of the Disney Ramona and Beezus movie. And I went, you're kidding me. Because <laughs> most of my kids have seen that movie. And she, he said, yeah, and she can Skype in for half an hour at such and such a day. She's going to be on location in Detroit filming her new movie. But she'll Skype into your classroom. And I went, sign me up. She did her little presentation about anti-bullying, which was kind of short and sweet, but got to the point. And then we asked her lots of questions, and the kids really enjoyed it. So that was phenomenal. And um, I, I put a little little bit of a video. I'm, I'm still working on rendering. We did the, We actually videoed the entire session. But um, I wanted to play with it a little bit more and make it a, a, a nicer-looking video than just straight off the flip cam. So um, I did one little session of her on my blog, but I have about, you know, 25 more minutes to put up somehow, somewhere. I'm going to figure out how to get this whole thing up. Because if you've never seen Joey King perform or just talk to people, she is amazing. She is so animated. And I, I said... Honey, I understand why you're an actress, because her eyes flash, and she's just absolutely incredible. Absolutely. And so glad that I got to have my kids be a part of that experience. Other than your class blog, do you have any good resources for other teachers um, or, or schools who are looking to use Skype in their classroom, uh, You know, a place to get started, if you will? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, my buddy... Jan Wells and I have done presentations quite a few times on using Skype. Uh, we decided our first one that we signed up for was to do a an online presentation for the K-12 online conference last year. 
mm-hmm. um, and we were chosen. Our, our project was chosen, and it was about Skype, and we called it uh, Seeds to Success with Skype, and we talked about our early projects, and we talked about different ways you could use Skype in the classroom, and then we put out a little teacher challenge at the end of it. So it's a 15 to 20 minute video presentation. From that, we were um, honored to be um, chosen to do one of the firelight chats for the K-12 online conference, which is where they interview, they show your video and then they interview you more in depth about it. From that, we were asked to present on the Classroom 2.0 live Saturday webinar shows, um, so we did that. Jan has presented in her state of Kansas at a few conventions, and I've usually Skyped into her when, you know, so I'm a talking head in her presentation. When I present here in Louisiana, I do the same thing. If she's available, she's a talking head in my presentations. So all of that information I have put together in a Google site that I could share uh, the, the link with people. And, yeah. you know, it's, we believe in, you know, share and share alike. Whatever we put out there, if you like something, grab it and go for it, you know. Yeah, and we'll certainly share those those links in our show notes as well. And also, mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier the, the Projects by Jen website too, right? Yes. If um, I started doing collaborative projects that way, and I found that she is just so nurturing and so helpful, and, um, you know, if you have questions, you can email her directly. I happen to be on Twitter, so I Twitter with her. She actually picked me up at the airport last summer when I went to San Diego for a conference. So, yes, she has been one of my mentors in this whole process of using Skype and collaborating with other teachers around the world. She's been doing this for many, many years. And you can make the the collaborative project so easy to start out with. Get your feet wet, dip your toes in, then, you know, go wading in the waters and, or jump into the deep end, you know, whatever whatever your comfort zone is. She has a project that would be a great way to start. Another way for people who are looking for things to do with Skype as far as actual projects, there is a new website actually put together by Skype called Skype in the Classroom, and there are thousands of teachers all over the world that are members of this uh, website, and each week people are posting new projects that they're working on. I know I don't teach language arts, but all the years that I was a language arts teacher, I wish this had existed. They're doing global read-alouds, and they're doing um, book challenges, Part of it is by using Skype. Part of it is by using Edmodo and setting up um, small groups of, oh, we're reading, you know, Holes, or this group is reading um, Shiloh, and this group over here is reading a different book. And they can discuss the books in their Edmodo groups or via Skype or something like that. So, and part of that is, I think that might be listed on um, Skype in the classroom. But if not, I, I have a different website. I can get you that information. But, yeah, there are ways. You just have to kind of stick your nose out there, say, you know, I really want to try doing this. I want to get my kids, you know, I want to knock down my classroom walls. I want to get my kids connected with other students and teachers around the country. 
try next door first. I'm not, I'm serious. I literally Skyped to the next door class the first time I ever did it in my, in my building. Then I Skyped down to a first grade class one day. I mean, just to get started. But then now I Skype to Canada and California and Kansas and uh, New Hampshire. I still haven't done a um, international one basically because of time zones. But one of the things that's on my Google site is what's called a Skype sleepover. How much fun would it be to have your kids spend the night at school and you do about eight different Skype calls with um, students around the world, hopping from one time zone to another. There, are, um, I have several blog posts writ, um, written by other teachers who've done that, and that's on, that's one of my, my goals. I'm trying to get to that this year to have a Skype sleepover. I guess at the beginning of this call, I would have thought that's a really high high expectations to have. But after hearing everything you've already done, we're going to have to get back with you on that because I'm sure you're going to do it and it's going to come out really well and <laughs> it's going to be amazing to hear how that turned out. I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. I know my date won't be until until after that big old test is given in April. So <laughs> it'll be the end of the school year. <laughs> and now you said it, I'm assuming it's an acronym. You were calling them the, the LEAP test? It's called LEAP Educational, I'm sorry, Louisiana Educational Assessment Program, LEAP, L-E-A-P. So now in New York, we ours is just a New York State standardized test, whatever. There's no fancy acronym. So I have to ask, I'm assuming, do do teachers in Louisiana get real real witty with you know taking the leap of faith or? Oh, uh, we, we have we have frogs all over our classroom. <laughs> we have leap for joy, leap for this, leap for yes. Any way we can work leap into a conversation, it's there. I like yeah. it. It just depends on if what what, that- you're, what you're leaping off of and what you're landing on. I guess would be the question for the kids. Uh-huh. <laughs> There have been times when I said, if I hear that word one more time, I might leap out a window. Oh, I know. I understand. <laughs> so, as I say, we do that in Florida, but ours is called the F-cat. And, and so it's actually a four-letter word that starts with F. In, in our- <laughs> exactly. And you know what? I have stolen, I'm sorry, borrowed some wonderful F-cat resources online. You know, uh, Florida is one of the states that is very nice about sharing things. Um you know, being very transparent with a lot of their stuff. Well, most states are. I mean, you can find Louisiana's released uh, test items on on the Department of Education website also. So, yeah, that's one of the things I do. I love to do research and look around for stuff. So I have used um, some of the FCAT things. I have used Oswego Study Skills from the state of New York. Mm-hmm. I grew up in New York, by the way. Oswego's right down the road for me, actually. I, I, I grew up in Syracuse, New York, until I was about uh, 12. We won't keep you a whole lot longer, Paula. Um, be, before we wrap up, is there anything else you, you want to leave us with before uh, before we let you go? One of One of my greatest wishes is that every teacher in their classroom, whether they have just their own personal laptop or an iPad or a digital camera or a video camera, just try one little project with your kids this year. Just, you know, if you have never ever done anything with them other than like traditional lessons, just try one little thing and you'll be amazed at the excitement that it gener- generates, how 
engaged the students are, how excited they are to come to school to see what's going on next. I, I refer to all my little things I do as projects, whether, I mean, I don't really do, quote, project-based learning exactly. I just kind of refer to them as projects. But, you know, we'll finish one, and what's the first question out of their mouth? When's our next project? What are we doing next? You know, when are we going to get the And every now and then, I keep Skype open on my um, classroom computer. So, of course, the names pop up throughout the day. And at the beginning of the year, after we've done our first Skype call, and they see a name that they recognize pop up, they're like, oh, we're doing a Skype call. We're doing it. And I said, no, 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 they're just online. And, you know, no, we're not having a Skype but that sound, that little Skype ping that goes off when someone places a call to you, uh -huh. it's like, it just sends chills up and down my spine. It, I think it's one of the best sounds in the world. The kids know what it means when it goes off. They're like, yes, we're going to do some authentic learning with some different people today. And, you know, that's wonderful. So just get out there and try it. That excellent advice, and it certainly uh, has a lot more meaning when it comes from somebody who practices what they preach. You've been doing this all along. Well, I appreciate that so much. I have thoroughly enjoyed this interview and sharing, and anyone is free to contact me. I'm very transparent. Uh, my emails, I think you have that, or will you put that in the, the show notes? Yeah, we'll, we'll release that. But if you, and also, I, I don't know if we have your Twitter. Can you give your Twitter handle too? My Twitter handle is at PLNoggle. Pretty much everything is PLNoggle, N-A-U-G-L-E. So I, I tend to stick to that. I didn't even know about, what do I call that? Branding? When mm -hmm. I started all this online stuff. And I just knew not to maybe put my first name out there because of, you know, some weirdness, but so I just used my initials every time I logged on to something, and luckily it, it was kind of short and sweet, so it's worked out for a lot of websites. Absolutely. Well, again, Paula, thank you so much for uh, for taking your time today, and, and again, thank you for filling us with so many ideas, because I know I'm already ready to go out and, and try something new, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. John and Absolutely. Brian, I promise if, if you, especially with the older ones, you do need to do a little bit of rehearsing with them, because they do get tongue-tied. And what I found, um, I didn't share this, but what I found, I have them put something on a, on a note card. Even as simple as, hi, when we do our introductory Skype, the first time when Jan's class meets my class each year, our, our, our Skype call is, hi, my name is blank, and what is unique about me is blank. And they have to write that on a card because when they get in front of that camera, they get scared. Oh, yeah. And never put them in front of the camera by themselves. I do it in groups of three. Usually, I put three chairs in front of the webcam, and they just I just kind of move the camera from one kid to the next. But they when they when they see themselves on screen, they're they're seeing three people instead of just one, so they feel a little better about that too. You know, there's comfort in having a buddy sit next to you. Oh sure, so but sure. Mm -hmm. So when I put, I call that the hot seat. When you're in the hot seat in front of the webcam, and it's your turn to speak, you're not going to ever be sitting there by yourself until maybe by. Later in the year, they're like they're all dying to get in the hot seat by themselves because now they're experts at it. They're used to it, sure, sure. But at the beginning of the year, they can't even say the simple sentence with their name in it and what they're, what's unique about them without it being written down on a card in their hand. You know, just, just that security blanket of, okay, if I forget, it's right here in my hand. <laughs> oh, I know. I know how that is. Mm-hmm. 
So, all right. Well, Paula, thank you again. And uh, we're going to let you go. And uh, we'll have to stay in touch in the, the future so we can hear about some of the other things you're going to be doing. Super. Sounds great. Thank you so much for this opportunity, John and Brian. And I'll check, log in off. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. thank you, Paula. So that was Paula Noggle. Uh, and Brian, did you know you could do half those things with Skype? Did you ever think about that uh, in your own school? Absolutely not, and I feel ashamed. <laughs> Me too. Well, honestly, and I, I was telling the truth. My really, my only experience using Skype with my students was getting them up uh, with another group from Vermont and just having them stare at each other for twenty minutes. Like I really wasn't sure what else to do other than the basic, like you know, who likes this band and who likes uh, pizza, you know, that kind of like real, real superficial stuff. And it's just amazing to hear all these other really, really innovative ways to use that. Yeah, I, I was floored. I actually. In my time in the classroom, I've never used Skype in the classroom because when I was doing that, Skype didn't exist. Since then, and moving into more of the IT role, I've facilitated those types of things. But again, I, I feel ashamed because there's, or just flat out not creative, because those are some really powerful ideas that, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to actually make an assignment for all of my teachers to listen to, um, to this podcast just because I think it's something that's so attainable for, you know, the majority of teachers, um, whether you feel very techy or not. You know, I, I think as a general rule, Brian, you should have the assignment be for all your teachers to listen to every one of our podcasts. <laughs> yeah. The, the disadvantage with that is, is, is they're sick of me by the time the day yeah, is that, over. That's true. Well, <laughs> and I guess uh, if sticking with that basic thread of uh, shameless self-promotion uh paula mentioned jen wagner on that those project by jen activities and we're actually uh-huh. having jen wagner on our show she'll uh, her show will be released in december december 6th so i didn't even realize that talk about a small world uh, but we're going to be able to talk more about some of these projects at a, a later date well i think that that's actually a uh, a great segue because um i'm gonna i'm gonna segue right into our our teacher tip of the day um, and I'm going to take the teacher tip just to, to switch things up here. The connection point that she mentioned in terms of connecting between her and Jen was, was through Twitter. Right. And actually, over the last couple weeks on my Twitter feed, I've been noticing a lot of different either posts from teachers or reposts of uh, teachers who are looking to Skype with other classes. Um, specifically, one came to mind where a, a class up in Alaska wanted to connect to somebody else in the U.S. that was different than, than their demographics and everything. And um, so this week's teacher tip is using Twitter or social networking to connect to other classrooms um, to kind of open that initial door so that we can use Skype and start to um, apply some of these great ideas that Paula brought up. Yeah, I mean, she didn't officially recognize that as a, a formal way because she did mention the Skype in the classroom that's through Skype. And I think it's the, the website she didn't mention. I think it's just education.skype.com. But there's sources like that, and there's also other sources like these things that have generated. But, yeah, I mean, almost like the grassroots way to do it is to get on Twitter and just say, I want to talk with another teacher at such and such grade level or, you know, wherever geographically. And, and they come out of the woodwork for that kind of stuff. Again, I'm still shocked and, and, and almost kind of excited, you know, to uh, 
to get out there and, and see how many teachers I can connect to, you know, in the next 24 hours, you know, with, with all the momentum behind it kind of a thing. So, yeah, teachers, we encourage you. Use Twitter. Use other social networking. Use the um, the educational uh, Skype website, and um, and let's all find each other. Yep. And my tech tip actually leads into that too, because after you find somebody, I know my my concern. I have five classes every day, and my problem with using Skype in the past was that um, what ends up happening is I can probably schedule someone for say fourth period, but then fifth period, I need to find somebody. I scramble for that too. And having that same like authentic learning experience for each period that I, I hold students, it, it gets very tricky. Um, so the, the next logical thing is how do you archive that so everybody can hear it? And that's what my tech tip is for today is, um, is how to record Skype calls because Paula mentioned taking the flip cam and holding it up and, and that does a, a pretty decent job. But if you're looking for a higher quality now, unfortunately video doesn't work real well, but if you're looking to record audio, um, there are some, some cheap programs or free programs out there that do that. And actually I'm speaking from experience and, and all the listeners are actually uh, hearing it right now firsthand because today this show is actually being recorded differently than it has in the past. Usually we use several different computers and a certain setup um, and use Audacity to record into. And today we're just using a very small, simple program that I found online and it's recording the whole deal. So if this sounds really good on your your iPod or your computer, whatever you're listening through right now, then maybe you should go take a look at this. If not, then clearly it's junk and you can pass it up. But yeah, <laughs> I don't I didn't know how to end that one. Um, basically, uh, what what we're using today is a, a program called Skype Recorder, and it, you you fire it up when you start up your Skype, and as soon as you make a call, it starts to record it as an MP3. When you're done, it compresses it down into one file. It can be found at extralabs.net, and it is unfortunately a, a pay piece of software that you do have to pay for, although you get the first 15 days free. So I'm within that 15-day free trial that everything is um, – there's nothing limited on that. All the features are open. So at the very least, if you know that you want to record a call, that's a, a quick fix to something like that as long as you don't need it for more than 15 days. And after that, I think it's like twenty four ninety five for the license, which even that – 25 boxes is not a whole lot when you consider that you can now start archiving all these conversations that you're having uh, on Skype. So get, take a look at that, Skype Recorder. It's at extralabs.net. So I guess I won't do this to you this time, Brian, moving into the last part of our show, the, the <laughs> contact, but I really am going to nail you on this one of these days. You know, she was talking, Paula was talking at the end of, of our conversation about how kids, even when it's just as simple as saying their name and reading it off of a card, as soon as that light goes on, they, they start to panic. And I immediately thought how much I absolutely hate reading off the contact information. And uh, even though it's right in front of me on the screen, I always trip over it. So I'm going to... I think I, I got an idea here. I was thinking that, you know, just to liven up the this segment of the podcast... Each each time we did it, we could challenge each other by trying to one up each other. <laughs> and you know, for example, I could go with the game show host methodology of the contact information, which could be one upped by the um, poor Australian accent. Um, <laughs> y- y- you know, and 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 we could almost make a game of it in and of itself. But I, you know what? Just to ease your troubled mind. 
I will give the contact us information today. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, and I was thinking actually the opposite. You're thinking about putting more into it. I was thinking just lobbying to get um, like a, a canned recording of us doing it once, and then we can just plug it in <laughs> at the end of the show each time. So, all right, right. Well, so this is only um, epi- or second show for you already taking the lead. So I, I'll sit back and, and let you do that. Go ahead, Brian. I, I, I'm going to start by promoting, first of all, the uh, po- parent company of the podcast would be Element OP, and you can find that at Element OP, that is O-P-I-E, um, elementop.com. You can also find us at Twitter by um, traversing to uh, twitter.com and looking for Element OP slash tightwad teacher. And a big one, um, we've been um, on Facebook for a short period of time, and we are hoping that we can find 25 people that like us. Yes, we have some, uh, some, some emotional baggage and some emotional um, sensitivities, but we just want 25 people to like us so that we can have our own beautiful facebook.com slash teacher. URL, but we don't. We do not have 25 people yet. So if you could visit facebook.com slash element OP, you will be able to find links to us there. But you can also go into Facebook and just um, do a search for Tightwad Teacher. And when you get to that Tightwad Teacher page, you can press the like button. It will raise our self esteem and there will be much happiness um, uh, <laughs> on the rejoicing. podcast. And, and maybe we'll even talk less, you know, the next one just, you know, as a as a reward later on. And finally, if you are the phone type, um, you can contact us at 559-I-AM-O-P-I-E. That is 559-I-A-M-O-P-I-E. And uh, leave us some uh, voice messages there. And um, whether it be feedback or questions or issues or topics that you want us to talk about, um, that would be absolutely wonderful. Wow. Brian, you know, I don't do laundry at my house anymore because when I first started, when we first got married, um, I did the laundry once and I ruined a bunch of clothes. So from now on, my wife just says, don't worry, I'll take care of the laundry. And uh, I learned... That was a good play by you. I, I learned right away that, yeah, if I screw something up once, I usually don't have to do it anymore. And you know what? You did such a good job on that. It's not my job anymore. That's perfect, because now we can record that, minus the 25 likes part, because hopefully there's 25 people that like us, and then we can just use that one forever. I, I love it. I love it. It's a good strategy. So, Well, and before we sign off, I just wanted to also add one more thing, kind of a teaser for next week. Um, we have a, a big uh, interview next week I'm really excited about. Our guest is Mrs. Q, slash uh, her real name is Sarah Wu. Mrs. Q is actually her anonymous blogger name. She blew up in the media in, within the last couple months. Um, I don't know if you, you're aware of the website, Brian, but she wrote uh, this blog. It's at fedupwithlunch.com. She was a teacher, and she'll share all of her experiences with us uh, next week, but she uh, was a teacher who realized how bad the lunches were, so she decided to start a blog, and anonymously she wrote about all these lunches every day she ate the same thing the kids ate and uh it's now turned into a book and she's been featured on um the today show and, and all kinds of major news outlets so she's going to be joining us and we're kind of taking it a, a different angle we're going to look more at the power of blogging and, and how she was able to reach so many people through that medium so that that should be a, a good excuse for everyone to make sure that you subscribe to us on itunes as well and, and you'll get that delivered right to you for for next week 
excellent. I'm looking forward to it. Um, there's there's two things in the world that can really get people steamed up, maybe three if you want to push it, um, and those things would be um, politics, uh, religion, and then um, followed closely by food. Yeah, food. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, well, great show, uh, great show this week, Brian. And I guess I, I will end it now by saying this is John signing off. And Brian signing off.